Hi, everyone. Welcome back to my podcast, Happy Hour with Victabulous. It is another beautiful Friday. I hope everybody has had a great week. I know um, certain businesses are starting to go back to work, you know, open up shop and, um, you know, just become more available for um, the public again. You know, we're slowly but surely getting back to somewhat of a normal way of how we used to go about our daily lives and, and interact. And um, I just hope you guys are doing it safely, but, you know, still able to get out and enjoy what's been um, opened up to be available for us. So, yeah, um, just a recap of last week's episode was a bit of a double feature comedy. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed the review and discussion. I go, I hope you guys were able to get a laugh like I was. Um, if you haven't seen it still go see, I definitely recommend both the movies. Um, you don't have to watch them together, obviously, but eventually both of them are really good. So if you ever get a chance or have any time, which we still kind of do with everything that's going on. So, you know, sit back, relax and, 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 you know, let enjoy the movie and have a good laugh. So today's movie discussion and review is going to be on Atomic Blonde. Um, it's got Charlie Theron as the main character um, who plays Lorraine. And then also it has um, James McAvoy. So yeah, this movie is definitely a, a kind of like a breath of fresh air um, as when it comes to, you know, your not being your typical spy movie. Um, so yeah, I, this is probably one of my favorite, favorite, favorite movies that Charlize Theron has ever done. Um, I think this role was just made for her. She is just a badass person, actress, and she who has a lot of range. And if you ever had any doubt of just how much of a badass Charlize Theron is, you know, this is definitely a great reminder of how well she can do an accent and do fight scenes and just again be a total badass so if you haven't seen this please go see it you're definitely missing out if you're if you're not and it, you're just gonna be so not blown away but just reminded of the great music that came from that that era you know that of that time um where this movie takes place probably so much so that you're gonna buy the soundtrack like I did but I bought it in the vinyl form because I have a vinyl player a record player and I've just been I just love vinyls I think they're just a great way to listen to music at home and to entertain you know when you're hosting a get-together or a, a social event at your house you know it's just it's really great it's a, it's a nice break from just having to play you know music on your um, iPhone, iPad, or even listening to the radio, you know, you just, it's a good selection of music, of classics, kind of all rolled into one. And it's, it's just a really good soundtrack. I really enjoyed the music, the music placement and all of these scenes was just perfect. So yeah, let's get into today's discussion. Okay, so this, if you didn't know, I, like me, I didn't know, but based, this movie is based on a graphic novel called The Coldest City. Um, and it is set before the fall of the Berlin Wall in 1989. There's this spy, James um, Gascoigne, 
He's an MI6 agent and being chased down by a car, which eventually pins him against another, another car. Um, and he is then shot dead by Yuri Bakhtin, who takes a watch off of his wrist before dumping the body into a river. The watch has a microfilm hidden in it, and it cont contains a highly coveted secret list of active Soviet field agents. So this kind of gives you a little segue into what is going to be the main, not attraction, it's the main reason it's like everybody's trying to get their hands on this watch because it has a secret, you know, list in it, which is completely crazy how things are hidden even back in the eight you know in the 80s you know way of hiding things and getting and keeping things under you know lock and key and, and just in, in a disguise you know and you can only imagine how far we've come since then to now with the ways of you know smuggling things and hiding things and 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 you know shrinking things to fit certain places you know pockets whatever it's just crazy and I don't know. I just, I just kind of blown away by the fact that it's in this watch, but it doesn't kind of gives a, a different, nice new, fresh take on to, into, you know, ways of hiding a secret list or, you know, how they went about it. So 10 days have already passed before we see uh, Lorraine Broughton going to a debriefing conducted by MI6 agent Eric Gray and CIA agent Emmett Kurtzfield, Kurtzfeld. Uh, while being watched by the MI6 head behind a two-way mirror. Now, here it's revealed that Gascoigne was carrying the list, and an unidentified double agent named Satchel betrayed Gascoigne for, the for this list, thus leading to his death. Um, from now, in the film, it follows kind of back and forth timeline between Lorraine's flashbacks and the debriefing as she narrates her mission. Um, she reminisces about her intimate relationship with Gascoigne before he was killed. And we see her sent to Berlin after his death to retrieve the list and uncover the identity of Satchel with the help of a contact there named David Percival. Um, Percival is seen talking to Spyglass, a Stasi officer from the German Secret Service, ready to defect West Berlin Berlin in exchange for information on the list. Um, and his life is threatened by a KGB arms dealer, Alexander um, Bremovich. And then Spyglass um, has managed to commit the names of all the Soviet agents to his memory, which makes him extremely valuable, but at the same time puts a target on his back. Okay, so immediately after arriving in Berlin, Lorraine's identity is immediately compromised um, by Bremovich's agents who try to ambush her. She's getting into, just to go into the scene a little bit more in depth. So, you know, they know her obviously by name. They've already made her out. How is one of the many questions that we're going to come across in this movie? Um, and so she you know, gets into the car with them. She notices that someone's, you know, watching her. She's already having her suspicions, which I'm sure being who she is and who she works for, that's what you're trained to do is just to always be suspicious and you're, have your guard up and, you know, expect the unexpected. So she gets into the backseat of the car 
with um, one agent in the back with her and then the other one driving. So they're driving, they're talking, they're having small talk. She claims to, you know, she tells them that she's never been here before, but clearly, you know, she's, again, trained to, you know, read maps very well and tell when something's up, which shortly into the drive, she begins to realize, you know, these aren't the guys who say they are because they claimed that Percival was running late, which he was because the night before when he met up with Spyglass, he was, you know, just completely getting drunk and he, it shows him in the movie getting up and his alarm going off and he's got three women in the bed. So that tells you what kind of night he had and he's already running late. And then it cuts to the airport where they, these two um, agents pick uh, Lorraine, Lorraine up. And so shortly into the drive from the airport, they are kind of trying to do small talk to keep her from getting suspicious but it's too late she already is and then shortly after they take off um percival comes drives up behind them in sort of a urgent way and she's the only one who notices kind of him telling them um so she starts to you know of course get suspicious she kind of you know squares up and and gets ready for um to take these guys out which she does with her heel which let me just say all the boots like how they kind of start majority of the scenes especially with the women in this movie there's only two women it's Charlie Theron and this other girl I forgot her the actress's name um but she was in um oh okay I remember it, uh Sophia Botella and plays uh, she you might know her from Star Trek um Kingsman the Secret Service and um most recently the the Mummy remake but we're not going to get into that horrible horrible movie anyways the scenes that like kind of lead up like the anytime they start a scene with with Charlie Theron or Sophia they always start with their Feet. not always but they start with their feet if you notice so she's you know showing off their amazing shoes boots heels like and and Charlize has got these um like beautiful beautiful red pumps on so she you know kind of reaches down and sly slyly slyly is that a word slick she sly secretly no she could just kind of casually you know nonchalantly takes off one of her heels and then she just starts to proceed to beat the shit out of these guys simultaneously, the driver and the agent next to her. And, you know, she's holding the heel with or the, the, the pump with the, the pointy, the heel stiletto, you know, sticking out. And she's just beating the shit out of them. Like, and those shoes hurt. If you know how to hit with, if you know how to turn a shoe, especially a, um, a high heel or pumps into a, a a deadly weapon it is not gonna end well so you know they she's fighting them while the guy's trying to drive they're both you know it's just a lot of this car swerving back and forth and so you know eventually she kicks the guy out who's sitting next to her out onto the street and then she you know knocks the guy out for a minute to where she can steer the car so it can flip over and she unbuckles the guy's um seat seriously dump truck i'm sorry you guys i don't know if you can hear that but it's trash day and god i'm trying to film a freaking podcast here how rude okay anyways i think i think they're gone all right so let's continue so she the car flips 
she's holding on. She has her, you know, holding onto the seatbelt. It flips over and Percival pulls over, stops the car, gets out. One of the shoe that she was like beating the shit out of those guys with is on the street. So he picks it up and then he kind of bends over, looks into the car and it's all, you know, like, hi, you know, trying to be all uppity and chipper. And she shoots at him, you know, clearly pissed off because she's already been made for one. Percival was late. That's the major uh uh-oh on his part. So, you know, she shoots at him and then he kind of uses his uh, her uh, heel as like a peace offering, which you better because those shoes are way too beautiful to be just wasted on beating a man's ass, a couple men's asses and then just left in the street for, you know, whatever. They just they deserve to be worn. And if you happen to kill a few agents on the way with them, so be it. But they're multi-purpose heels. She needs them. I need them. Anyway, so he kind of holds them out to her as like a peace offering, kind of like, you know, surrender, which I think that was probably the only thing that kept him from getting killed is that he had her other shoe. So um, he helps her out. He drags the one of the agents that, the, that was the driver into the trunk. And, you know, the whole whole time she's just kind of laying into Percival about being late and how she's made and compromising the damn mission and yeah so as Lorraine and Percival leave she realizes that she's being watched again by this mysterious woman um, as they leave the site of the crash and Lorraine meets with a German ally of the MI6 called the watchmaker which is um, an ex- He's an expert with watches. Um, she then goes to visit Gascoigne's apartment to aco- uncover any intel. So really quickly, just to go back in between this and um, from her being picked up by Percival from the car crash, um, she goes back to she goes to her hotel, hotel, checks in, and she you know has got to be just aching and sore and hurting from not only just this fight scene because she did take a few good punches hit and hits um and then of course you know car flipping over and she doesn't necessarily have her seatbelt on she just grabs it and holds on for dear life so you know she's got to be in pain but there's a scene where i'm just like i wonder if she really really did it i mean considering how badass she is she probably did but she like makes herself like an ice bath and just goes in completely and submerges maybe it's fake ice like, like those plastic ice cubes kind of, I don't know, they're, it's Hollywood, they can make whatever they want and make it look real. No, she did it. She really did it. She probably did. Yeah. I mean, because those fight scenes, let alone, like, even though you're not really, like, getting hit, it, you probably still are going to be sore from actually having to just do those maneuvers, whether you're acting or not. But yeah, that's just one scene that really, like, was like, oh, it's got to be so cold. Anyways, she gets out of the bath and and then she just um, coming out of the bathroom, finishing up. She notices something's off. You know, she suspects something, somebody, somebody, not something, someone is in her room, her hotel room. So she um, grabs a bottle, an empty bottle. Mind you, I don't think she'll waste a full bottle of Stoli vodka, which is my favorite vodka. Thanks to my husband. He got me into it. And, and because maybe some of you may not know that my husband is Russian, not fully Russian, but he's he's got some Russian in there, which is um, why I like my white Russian, kind of like how I like my men. Or should I say man? Because, you know, it's not all I date is just Russians. Ridiculous. 
Anywho, so she's kind of creeping up on what ends up being Percival, you know, in her room. How he got in there, whatever. He claims that if he, you know, were to really follow Lorraine, that she wouldn't even know it. So there's that. They have this little kind of like minute conversation. And then she, you know, tells him that she's going to go check out, like next on her to-do list is to go check out um, Gascoigne's apartment. Um, so she goes the next day to go um, check out his apartment um, to uncover any intel. And she finds evidence of Percival having contact with um, Gascoigne um, because she finds a picture because she shows up to his apartment and it's completely trashed. So obviously, you know, the people that killed him, what, whatever they were after, they ransacked his apartment and then like found out where he was to kill him and grab the watch um so she's kind of going rummaging through this apartment that's been like completely turned upside down and in the midst of all like the damage and all the everything that's on the floor she comes across a photo of Gascoigne and Percival so then she you know as she's going throughout the house she hears some cars outside goes looks over the balcony and sees a few car um patrol cars, cop cars parked right out front and, and realized that she's been made out or like her whereabouts have been discovered. And so she is forced to fight her way out of the building after being ambushed again. And I just want to say that this fight scene with these patrol officers is just, it's my, I think it's just one of my favorite scenes in this movie because the fight scenes are just amazing. Plus, you know, she kind of like to drown out her her moving throughout the apartment. She turns on the stereo that's in the house and it's got like George Michael song on what is it called? It's George Michael Father Figure, which amazing song and she's just blasting it and it's just the perfect song should go with this scene I mean at the and then you just you know she's she's not the typical you know she doesn't fight with guns so much or she makes this you know she's she's definitely a woman she improvises and uses what she the the, the resources that she has around her which ends up being a hose that she grabs a pot a refrigerator the freezer door of a refrigerator and then she snags one of like the what is it called the patrol officers that have those like sticks they're not a beating stick but it's just like a those those oh, God, i can't think of it okay so i just tried looking up the name i couldn't figure it out so i went and asked my husband <laughs> and he says it's a baton like it's called a baton like really he's like you can call it a police baton but that just isn't as cool as it sounds I don't know. I don't know what it would be called. Like a beating stick? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. But it's, it's like apparently that's the correct term for it is baton. So she like takes, she snags one of their batons and like just beats the shit out of them. And it's kind of, you know, the scene really opened my eyes to what I can use in my house as like a weapon of self-defense, of course, not just to randomly, you know, invite people over and then just attack them. <laughs> just like, hey, guys, come over to my house. 
you know, invite you guys over and then turn on them because I really want to use these, you know, I have a couple hoses I could put to use for whipping and, and tying, like whatever. And, you know, I have a really great pot that can just be used to knock the shit out of somebody. And I have a double fridge, like a double door. Like I have the typical fridge with a freezer door and just I'm just going to get my anger out on all these people just invite them over and they have no idea what they're coming like getting into no I just think that it just kind of makes you think you're like huh wow I never thought to use a hose a pot obviously I mean that's like kind of I think one of the number one things that people kind of reach for in self-defense if you if you need to at your house um but yeah a hose definitely not and then Maybe the fridge door, but then the freezer door is just a lot smaller and lighter. So you can just smack a bitch. And then what else does she use? I don't know. She uses so much like household items. Like you can, she really, she'd be really great demonstrating and advertise for, for like, oh, one of the reasons why you want to have this item is because not only can it be used to hold your pictures and, you know, sentimental items, but in an event of being attacked in your own home, it can easily be used as a weapon. Okay, so she's she's using these household items as weapons. She's beating the shit out of these guys. She's, you know, because she's clearly outnumbered all the while using this hose, which is amazing. Um, and then an attempt to, to finally be able to get out of the apartment, but she's on the, the highest level or second level so to speak. So she already has part of the hose wrapped around this guy on one of the officers next. So then she, you know, pushes herself and she jumps off the balcony and miraculously, I think because of the weight of the guy that the hose, the opposite end of the hose is attached to, she's able to swing and just make a, an amazing exit into back onto the main street. Um, and she tries to, you know, kind of play casual and walk down the street as if, you know, thinking that these the other two officers aren't going to recognize her. They do. And to finish up the song, she just knocks these two guys on their ass and then goes about her business like as just as if nothing happened. It's amazing. She's just oh, so amazed by this woman. So then it goes back to the um, flashes back to the debriefing where she mentions that Percival was the only other person who knew about her visit to the apartment. So this suggests is suggesting him as a possible suspect to be Satchel because he's already effing up. He effed up from day one when he was late to fucking pick her up. You know, not a hard task to have as far as when it comes to being a top spy, supposedly by him. Um, you know, so she's already kind of had her doubts about him from kind of day one. And this kind of just is 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 proving her suspicions to be right or her paranoia, whatever you want to call it. She suspects that Satchel, that um, Percival may be Satchel, the double agent. OK, so back in Berlin, um, Lorraine heads to this bar kind of dinner restaurant um it was it was the um it's a restaurant that was mentioned or recommended by the um agent the agents who picked her up from the airport um they gave her this card it's a small detail that if you don't pay really close attention to you can miss it but so she decides to go and check it out 
you know, seeing if it can lead her, give her, give her any um, clues or anything like that. So she goes um, and she comes across the, um, comes across bitch and they kind of have kind of, you know, little small talk, flirtation moment. And then the mysterious woman that has been kind of following Lorraine pretends that she's, you know, she's with Lorraine um, as an effort to try to help Lorraine out escape what she thinks is just kind of an unwanted run-in with a guy at a bar. So once uh, Bremovich leaves, um, you know, they start to talk, have, you know, small talk, have a conversation. Um, the, she, the woman reveals to her that she, her name is Delphine. And although they have this mutual attraction, Lorraine has her suspicions about Delphine. However, she doesn't act on them just yet. Um, Delphine proceeds to invite Lorraine to a friend's club that's nearby. However, Lorraine declines. Um, but Delphine decides to still give her the address to the club anyways and lets her know that she'll be there tomorrow night should she be able to come. She has the address and knows where it is. So the next day, Lorraine decides to um, go over, cross over to East Berlin, the east side of Berlin again. And she do goes so she does so undercover. You know, she's got another wig on. She has contacts. Um, she pretends she's with Internal Affairs. I think that's what it is. Internal Affairs. Well, she just pretends she's her reasoning why she needs to go over to the east to east berlin um but it's really because she she made another contact like a reliable contact because again she's she has her suspicions about percival and so i think she does this in a way to try to like try to divert her plans and not so much include um percival in in them because again she has her suspicions about him possibly being the double agent she goes on her way to meet him but then she's kind of she gets not caught but she realizes that she's being followed um so she goes ahead and she goes sneaks into this theater or museum or whatever and fights them off and is able to escape by pulling the fire alarm um to divert you know heavy traffic flow out to you know just make it more public and easy for her to escape which she does and she proceeds to go and meet her contact so later after that, she's back at her hotel. She meets, um, she's going kind of over the recordings because she wears a wire on her majority of the time, especially now, ever since she had her suspicions of, of Percival. So she's kind of playing it back, going over, and um, she comes across the recording from when she encountered Delphine and remembers about her invitation to her friend's nightclub. So she decides to, to go. So she gets dressed up. She goes. She meets Delphine in um the club they have uh intimate intimate moment they have a, they share a kiss and they decide to go somewhere um a little bit more quiet and private in the club as they're kind of like as they're making out lorraine comes across a gun that you know on on delphine which you know kind of reignites those suspicions that she has that she had in the beginning um so delphine then reveals herself to be a French agent and then shortly after Lorraine lowers her emotional guards they get intimately involved and where Delphine decides to tell her she knows something about Percival but before she reveals Lorraine you know 
turns up the radio in order to cause an interference with what is about to be said to her from Delphine. So then Spyglass is starting to be prepared by Lorraine and the watchmaker for his transfer to West Berlin, along with his wife and daughter, because in exchange for the list, they're going to grant kind of like protection and safety um, out of Berlin. So that way he's not... So that way they, they these um, Soviets don't find him. Uh, so kind of all of this like preparing and planning to, to make it to, to get Spyglass out of the um, out of Berlin along with his family. Um, there's this agent Bakhtin who meets the watchmaker and proposes to sell him the list. But instead, Percival encounters Bakhtin, killing him off to retrieve the list as he sees the names on it. Um he then meets Bremovich to transfer it to him. And um, while this exchange is going on, Delphine manages to photograph this trade. And in the present briefing, Eric Gray tells Lorraine that Percival had called them, stating that he knew Satchel's identity. However, she wasn't informed of Percival. She wasn't informed by personal, so she wasn't aware of this. So it's like, there's like, plans be like things are being not she's not being told everything so there's things there's situations that she could she could have kept her there's so many different situations that could have like been eluded if she would have known this information and she wouldn't have gotten her ass kicked and vice versa and all this stuff so okay so then it flashes back to the past um and Lorraine is seen meeting with Kurtzfeld the American CIA agent on the Berlin Wall who hands her a newspaper and she finds a phone number on the newspaper and calls it to hear a message that Satchel has been compromised. So while knowing this information, she decides to continue with their plans with Percival and in planning this kind of great escape of, of transferring um, Spyglass and his family um, out of West Berlin um, or to West Berlin with his family. Um, and Percival offers to help them as they attempt to sneak across the using a public protest as a cover. However, he ends up tipping off the KGB agents and manages to shoot Spyglass and wound him when Lorraine and the watchmaker are distracted, assisting his wife and daughter. So they have, they meet up, they, they're getting ready to, to go and blend into this, this protest. This, it's just a huge, it's got thousands of people flooding the street. So it's like their best opportunity in order to safely get him and his family um, out of harm's way and they grow they have all these different kind of um, distractions and you know different ways to blend in um, and Percival's responsibility was to get his white um, spyglass's wife and daughter into safe you know out of there and then Lorraine was gonna take a different way of getting spyglass out Percival had set up kind of told the uh, Soviet spies the plan as far as he knew to that they were going to be in the protest so they had snipers up in the buildings you know along the streets of where the protests were going on and they were going to shoot you know take out spyglass from there however Lorraine having her suspicions about Percival had her own plans of disguising themselves to blend in more with the um, protest crowd so which was like to have everybody put up black umbrellas which is pretty brilliant um so that was able to throw them off and keeping the snipers up above in the buildings to um from taking them out 
Um, so as Percival takes escorts the mom and the the wife and daughter to a car, he uses his own you know silencer gun to shoot Spyglass. So with their plans kind of being ruined, Lorraine takes a wounded Spyglass into an abandoned building nearby to try to make an escape, but they are attacked by the KGB agents. Lorraine is forced to engage them in close quarters, armed and unarmed, in an armed and unarmed combat. So they are all armed with guns and everything, and she's just having to beat the shit out of them using her, you know, her tactics without having any kind of weapons, which, I mean, it's just this fight scene is so crazy. And there, it's just, oh, she gets the shit beat out of her, but she, her taking out all these KGB agents is just amazing like it's 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 another one of my favorite fight scenes in this movie so she's fighting all these kgb agents you know she there it's like this huge tall building they're each floor flight of stairs they go up it seems like they're coming across new kgb agents um and this ends up being pro like one of the film's longest fight sequences and definitely shot and edited to appear as a long extended take um lorraine and spyglass managed to escape in the car but are chased down again and their car gets rammed into a river and Lorraine is unable to rescue Spyglass because in the when they got hit, the what is it called? The dashboard gets like severely damaged to where it's like it gets um, dented to where it traps um, Spyglass's leg. So they are she's unable to pull him out because um, he's stuck. So she's you know, he's drowning and Lorraine's forced to have to, you know, save herself, obviously, and and and. Um, come up from and escape from the vehicle that's um, still like go plunging down to the bottom of the river. So shortly after Percival takes reaches or is able to um, safely escort Spyglass's wife and daughter to safety back in West Berlin, um, he has like a brief discussion with the the CIA agent. A C C agent. He has a brief discussion with the CIA agent. And learns that um, Lorraine survived from, you know, him kind of selling her out with the spyglass. So he then goes back to his apartment. He's listening to the recording because you find out that he put in um, one of the, during the movie, there's a moment, there's a time where, um, a scene where Lorraine visits him at his apartment and he takes her coat. Well, I guess in that time of that he had her coat. He was able to put in a, a recording, like a wire, and sew it into her coat without her knowing, which kind of explains how he knew kind of things that she was doing without telling him. Um, he didn't know everything, but there's just certain things that he was kind of like, he was just kind of like probably like a bad spy. He was a good spy, but he was a bad spy. Like he would say things, he would lie to her, and then later on he would kind of come out casually, just get caught up in talking in the conversation and say, oh yeah, da-da-da-da-da. And he would throw himself under the bus. And she's like, wait, I thought you said that you didn't know this guy or you didn't know this. And he's like, huh, I lied and tried to like cover his tracks. So it only added to Lorraine's suspicions, but it also explained so much of how he knew things that she was not telling him because he had a wire. So when he's listening to this recording, part of that recording was what Delphine revealed to uh, Lorraine. And so he then goes to 
Delphine's apartment where she's developing the photographs of his meeting with Bremovich. And she's decide she's gonna she's gonna mail these or drop them off to um, Lorraine's hotel and um, to kind of, to you know as proof of of Percival being made out to be the double agent Satchel. So while all this is going on, while uh, Percival goes to Delphine's apartment and they're you know fighting, she, um, Lorraine is on to Percival. So she starts at his apartment trying to track everything down. She goes to her and then shortly after that she hears the recording. So she's trying to she's trying to track down. She comes across the recording of or the 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 wire that's been sewn into her coat. And so she goes to she immediately goes to Percival's apartment. Shortly after that, when she gets to Percival's apartment, she realizes that he um he's not there and but the recording of her and Delphine's conversation is still playing. So she kind of puts two and two together and heads to Delphine's apartment um, where Percival is at. And, you know, Delphine's putting up one hell of a fight and is able to wound him. Um, However, he still unfortunately um, kills her and tries to cover his tracks. Um, Shortly after he escapes, Lorraine shows up, you know, deeply saddened that she didn't make it in time to help and save Delphine. She's kind of just sitting there dwelling and and, and, and um, mourning. Um, as she is doing so, she comes across the photographs and everything that Delphine has hit, um, hanging up and then discovers the envelope of the pictures of um, Satchel, a.k.a. Percival, making his exchange with Bremovich. So while Lorraine is still at um, Delphine's apartment, Percival rushes back to his place um, to pack his things and kind of set everything on fire, you know, completely, you know, destroying any evidence to suggest that he is the double agent Sashel. But as he's getting ready to leave, Lorraine manages to intercept Percival um, before he makes it into it, you know, escapes in his car and wounds him and confronts him on where he was planning to give the list. Um, After he says that it was... It was going to the MI6. She shoots him in the head. And then this kind of flashes back into the the briefing. And she is asked how she could kill him, to which she responds that she uncovered the traitor, but did not know where the list was. The head agent who is sitting behind the glass mirror slash window um, decides that with all this information that Lorraine has provided, it would be better to just kind of scrap this investigation and not make it like public knowledge or anything like that because there's too much to be compromised as far as with the MI6. They decide to just end the investigation there and cut their losses and just um, put Lorraine on like admin leave, whatever, give her a leave of absence. And he tells her, you know, that the case is erased from their going to be erased from their records and we're just going to go about this as if none of this ever happened. So it's like kind of like a waste for nothing, but it may not be because a few days later we see Lorraine meeting Bremovich in Paris. So this is a few days later from the debriefing, I think. I don't know. Shortly after they they say, oh, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to continue this investigation. We're just going to leave it as is, cut our losses and say bye bye. 
So a few days later, we see Lorraine meeting Bremovich in Paris under the pretext of selling him the list. However, Bremovich confronts her as the double agent Satchel, which Percival told him during their earlier meeting. And Lorraine is then attacked by his men and kills them all off, including him, but not before revealing that she was playing him all along and helped bring down the Berlin Wall in the process. From there, Lorraine boards a private jet with Kurtzfeld waiting for her to reveal that she was an American CIA agent from the very motherfucking beginning. Like, what? And her accent is gone. The whole time, she's like, from beginning to like almost the end, she's had this accent. And then all of a sudden, there he's like, you know, Kurtzfeld is like, let's go home. And she's like, yeah, let's. You know, she doesn't have an, like an accent. I don't know if this is the same accent, but she had an accent similar to this one. And then all of a sudden she just started talking in her American, like, tone of voice. Like, what the fuck? And that is where this movie ends. So, what did you guys think? I know it's kind of like a little bit all over the place, but if you've seen the movie, you're able to follow. If not, then you should probably see the movie because then it'll make this review discussion a little bit easier. It's kind of hard when they do kind of movies like that where they they jump back and forth from like someone telling the story and then to the present where they're telling the story in current time and going back and playing it out in the scene. So if you don't get it, like if you don't, if it's too much, just go watch the movie. Like, God, you don't have to take my word for it. Like, if you don't like my review and discussion and it's too confusing, then go watch the fucking movie because it's really amazing and it deserves to be watched over and over again. And yeah, it was it was really, really good. Like I said, one of my favorite like spy movies that's come out like in a while. And it's just I love it. It has great music, the style, the fashion. It's so great. Charlie's, you know, throughout her investigation and her time in Berlin she had in going undercover she has her hair is blonde like you know in this movie but then like she has to when she does disguises she wears like kind of like an auburn red wig which she pulls off and then in the end when she is before she kills when she meets up with Bremovich and she's under the pretense of being satchel um she has a brunette wig which I mean there's not any hair color that Charlie's can't pull off so yeah the fight sequences are amazing the love sequence the love scenes are risque um but all in all it's really really great the music's great I can't talk enough good things about it I mean go just go watch it go watch the movie and if you get a chance to buy the soundtrack buy the fucking soundtrack go on iTunes go you know Spotify go wherever wherever you want to go go and just purchase get a get a record player and buy the vinyl because it's great and that's what I do buy the cd however you want to watch it or make it or listen to it just do it um so yeah uh let me know what you guys think comment on my instagram and twitter instagram is happy hour um victabulous and my Twitter, sorry, I'm drawing a blank. And my Twitter is at hhrvictabulous or send me an email, happyhourvictabulous at hotmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe to or follow me on Spotify. Um, I am planning on putting my 
um, podcast on iTunes. So uh, just keep an eye out for that. I will make another announcement when that officially happens. Um, But for right now, my podcast is on Spotify. So please go follow, like my Instagram, follow me on Instagram, follow me on Twitter, all that fun stuff. And let me know what you guys think. And thanks for listening. Oh, and before I forget, kind of like a big um, need to know. Uh, Next episode, I'm going to be doing not a double feature, but a triple feature because I want to talk about Underworld. I love Underworld. I love vampires, everything vampires, especially if it's a really good vampire movie. Not cheesy, ridiculous, like obviously fake vampire movies. Um, But I just love Underworld. Underworld, I think like it was probably like one of the best vampire movies to come out in a while when I was in like, what, high school, middle school, high school. And just it was just they're just a good it's a good trilogy I know they've made like four four or five movies including Rise of the Lycans but I'm not going to include four or five because I don't really I wasn't really too big of a fan I watched them but I wasn't really a big fan of those movies I think it kind of got lost um after the third one which is Rise of the Lycans um and I think they should have just left it at that. Um, but I think mainly what was the reason why I didn't like it so much is because they didn't bring back Michael. Like they had him in there for like a moment, but it wasn't the actor, Scott Speedman. It was it was just some random person, some random actor, because he wasn't in like the actor, uh, Scott Speedman, did, was like, what's the point of me coming back if I'm only going to be in like a few short scenes you know whereas in the first two underworld movies he was like you know one of the main characters with um Kate Beckinsale um so I'm only going to be talking about underworld underworld evolution and underworld rise of the lichens because those ones were just absolutely amazing and I loved them and yeah so stay tuned for that um those movie reviews and discussions thanks bye-bye